Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio or something? I can't say what I want to say because I'm mic'd up. Man, you guys didn't eat your Wheaties this morning, did you? You guys know I love donuts. That boy got a hundred and a hundred, don't it? 95 yards. I need five yards. Hey, the start is something special right here, man. Let's go. What's up, football world? 84 here. Let's get the show going, man. What's up, people, and welcome into the Fantasy Football Fellas. I'm your host, Kyle August. This is episode two of the Fellas Reunion Show. Uh, with me, as always, my co-host here on the Fellas, Seth McKinley. What's up, Seth? How you doing tonight? Doing all right. I'd consider changing my handle here to, you know, uh, Fantasy Ghost or something like that based on our conversation from last week, but eh, we'll keep it all, all tried and true. And also, I don't even want to go on to the platform formerly known as Twitter. It it feels like it's going to be a dumpster fire. I feel like the platform formerly known as Twitter is a better name than what they currently have there with old Elon's X, whatever the hell. But anyway, it's good to see that you came back for another week, knocked the rust off last week. Uh, Like I said, this is episode two here, a little reunion tour Seth and I got going, the fancy football fellas. On today's show, we're going to be covering the quarterback and running back position, getting you guys set for draft season. We're going to be talking about some targets and fades uh but can't get too far along here without introducing our guest for today's show uh you of course know him as the og co-host here of the dynasty warzone podcast the podcast of this entire network is circled around it's mr mike jernigan mj how's it going man what is up guys thank you for having me again i really appreciate it it's super cool to be on the dynasty warzone network yeah awesome we go way, way, way back, man, because I remember I was thinking about this the other day because, for for one, you were the first guest that we booked when we were talking about the reunion tour. So even though this is show two, you were the first one that we, we you know, we got we got you signed. You know, we got Appreciate it. Appreciate that. Uh, but you better yeah. hope G doesn't listen to this episode. <laughs> oh, it's too late. We already got him. We are, He already, he's done. And that was awesome to hear G, too. I hadn't <laughs> talked to him in a long time. Yeah, man. Seth and I, when we talked last week, you know, we said, like, you know, we did the podcast for four years. It was a, it was a, it was a hell of a ride. But like the friendships and stuff that we made throughout the whole podcast uh, time, you know, doing the fellas was where it's awesome. And we're still in leagues together with you. Uh, we've met up with you in person before. We've gone to Lions Cowboys game with you. So yeah, man, it, it's this whole thing has been kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, man, with you being, I've thought about that today. I was like, shoot, I, he was the one of the original Warzone guys. And I remember like working with you guys, getting everything set up. I'm sure I think you and Seth had some uh, had some conversations and and laboratory work to make it all work, man. <laughs> That's so, what I was going to say. I mean, really, yeah. when you want to get down to brass tacks, the Dynasty War Zone probably wouldn't exist in this form if it wasn't for Seth, because he was the one who originally helped me get the podcast up and run it. There you go, Seth. Add to the resume, bro. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> as long as as long as uh, yeah, Memphis gives me the tagline or the you know billing. Whatever they call it, whether the fancy folk call it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was it was great and and well worth it to Mm. have the show on the air now. Yeah. So we used to chat quite a bit. I felt like we would be on each other's podcast here and there. Uh, I think Micah had you on the SmackDown maybe once or twice over the last couple of years, but Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure that people want to know what you've been up to. Uh, But uh, quick, quick little housekeeping before we do get to that. If you missed episode one of the reunion tour, uh, it dropped on the 7th of August in your Warzone feed, so go back and listen to that. Uh, as Jernigan mentioned, we had G from the Aussie guys on the podcast. So uh, we talked a little bit of some tips on how to shift your dynasty mindset to redraft. 
as we're as we're getting ready through the month of August to dominate all those work and friends and family leagues. You know, you don't want to be shown up by your, you know, the guy in accounting um, when everyone knows that you're the dynasty shark, you know, at the company. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to help you out. We're going to be dropping fellas shows throughout the month, um, covering some redraft again, getting you set for draft season. But if you missed episode one, go back and check that out. Just stay subscribed to the Warzone Network for more, more of us, but also uh, other shows here from the Warzone crew. But uh, Journey, let's get back to you for a minute, man. So I mentioned you're one of the OG uh, hosts of this very network show, the Dynasty Warzone. So that's a little bit of background for people, I guess. But um, it's been a minute since we've seen you behind the mic. So what, what have you been up to these days? Honestly, man, just hearing you guys talk with uh, G, it's pretty much similar, man. <laughs> Life gets in the way of uh, our hobbies, you know, and married and kids and coaching basketball. Both, both my younger two played basketball last year, and I coached both their teams. So stay busy with that. And then uh, my son is about to start uh, football. So oh. that... I haven't got involved with coaching that. I told my wife I was going to step back, but they did start asking me, and I haven't said no yet. So we'll see, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> but, deal. yeah, man, just busy. You know, work and life get in the way of uh, stuff like this. Yeah, we can definitely all relate to that, but it's definitely good to have you back behind the mic for, for this show and hanging out with us and talking some football. Uh, so let's just, let's just dive right into it. Um, again, we're going to talk about some targets and fades at the quarterback and running back position. Uh, Jernigan did a little bit of homework for us as well, put together some dynasty trades that we're going to discuss here just after that. So that'll be fun because as much as we're talking a little bit of 2023 here on the front end, we're avid dynasty players as well. So this will be a, a good discussion and we'll wrap up the show with a little mock mock action talking about uh, some fancy football pet peeves, which was interesting to put those rankings together. So looking forward to that. But Steph, I want you to kick it off, man. We're going to talk quarterbacks first, quarterback target. What's a, what's a player at that position that you're, looking to get on some teams as we're heading into draft season here for 2023. Yeah. So my guy is someone that's not going to be surprising to anybody and no, it's not Matthew Stafford. Uh, I have, I have let that one go uh, since then, but it's a player that I've um, always uh, admired in terms of overall talent. And just because he's not in green Bay anymore, doesn't mean he's lost it. And I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be the, uh, just as good as he has been in the past, he was able to pull out a pretty decent season last year with basically no one around him in terms of overall wide receiver talent. Uh, Aaron Jones was helpful, of course, but what are you going to do? Uh, so yeah, with um, and this also kind of speaks to the fact that I really like Garrett Wilson uh, for the Jets. Uh, I I really think he has. Uh, I, uh, potential, you know, maybe not Devonte Adams level potential, but like he could, I think it can really be a wide receiver one. And that's what Rogers has been looking for. Uh, so right now Rogers is going as the, um, as the quarterback, I believe 13, double checking that right now, uh, which in 13 and a half, uh, which in this, uh, beginning of August, August 8th here doesn't mean anything because the only ones doing drafts right now are us, you know, uh, complete uh, fanatics and diehards. Um, so that I, I expect that to change a little bit. But the fact that he's outside of the top 12 quarterbacks to begin with is telling. Uh, so I think that there's opportunity for value there, especially with what we talked about last week in that so many people are 
there for the um, the the value at the late the late round quarterback. That's what they're going for, and they're basically playing chicken. I think you can absolutely get Rodgers at a great value this year. Yeah, obviously working with a coaching staff that he's fairly familiar with, and if you think back to like obviously I love Devontae Adams, King Money, mm-hmm. uh, but out of the gate he struggled, and yep. Wilson is an absolute stud from the get, you know. So I think that's going to be fun to watch those two play together and. Uh, watching him on hard knocks, which I, as recording this on the eighth, I think starts tonight. So uh, that whole thing's going to be interesting too. So we'll see if he gets the hard knocks bumps, knock bumps, but uh, you know, yeah, being 13th overall in ADP, definitely lower than, than we've seen in the past. So uh, journey, what's your, what's your thoughts on, on Rogers? And, and then what, who's your target at the position at quarterback? I think the jets could be a serious contender coming down the stretch. I think last year, they won seven games, right, which isn't terrible. I mean, there are far worse teams in football, and they had Zach Wilson, who barely demonstrated he's good enough to play backup for them this year, right? Mm-hmm. So I think if you slot Aaron Rodgers in there and you have Wilson, who I absolutely love too, he's he's somebody I'd love to have more shares of on my fantasy teams. Um, mm-hmm. And the run game, you can't speak enough about that run game either. Bryce Hall, if he comes back – to what he was doing before he got hurt. And, um, you know, they had that draft pick. I'm blanking on his name, but they, they have a solid run game. I think that's going to help Rodgers out. And then, uh, yeah, I, I think you won't, can... you won't trick me into trying to say that name. I just call it Izzy. <laughs> that's it. You know, about a Tonda or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no chance. I took him in a rookie draft way we were doing this summer. And I was like, this guy, I didn't even I just hit the button, you know. I think they got the skill position play and that defense. I mean, defense is hard to predict year by year, but that defense should keep him in a lot of games. Good, good deal. So, who, who are you targeting at quarterback? I like Derek Carr this year. I mean, I, I'm not talking about in a 12 team one QB league, like he's not going to be my starter, but for a depth piece, he's going overall 169 and he's QB 24. This guy. If you go back to 2021, he had a higher completion percentage than Tom Brady, and that was Tom Brady's huge Super Bowl winning year. He had more completions than Dak Prescott or Matthew Stafford, more yards than Burrow or Allen, and he was throwing to Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. His other receivers were Zay Jones and Brian Edwards that season. Who? Edwards. Brian Edwards. Yep, so, so now he's with the Saints. Actually, Brian – if I recall, Brian Williams is with the Saints now, too. <laughs> I think he moved over there. But uh, he's with the Saints now, and, of course, he's got better skill players around him now, right? We know Alvin Kamara is going to be suspended for three games, but when he comes back, he's going to be fine, um, maybe another year older. But he didn't really show like he was slowing down all that much to me. They brought in Jamal Williams, who was sensational for the Lions last year, and they're reportedly signing Kareem Hunt. That is quite a triple header there you got in the backfield. They, all those guys can catch balls and be a safety net. And then, of course, Alave. And um, <laughs> I hate to say this out loud, but if Michael Thomas <laughs> can get on the field and uh, play at even 80% of what we know he can do, mm-hmm. um, man, those are some weapons. Then Jawan Johnson last year kind of emerged as a, a, a real red zone threat from the tight end position. And Taysom Hill is always – tricky back there too so he's got a lot of weapons um i i think the mental part of it is important too right the the raiders never showed like they wanted him 
Like it seemed like every year they were threatening to get rid of the guy and trade him and all this, that, and the other. Now he's with a, a team that wants him and, and you can make an argument that he was not very good last year. But if you look at the data, yes, it was a career low year. Absolutely. But he had a lot of stuff kind of stacked against him out there. And I think this kind of, you know, next chapter in his career. And I, I think he's set up for a big bounce back. It's definitely going to be interesting to see. Uh, and in that division too, they, you know, they should be in it, you know, so I, I don't think there's any worry about them, you know, trying to look somewhere else. They didn't really take anybody else at quarterback in the draft that was worth, that was notable that I think he'll be looking over his shoulder. So hopefully he'll settle in, have some good weapons there. He's got Jimmy Graham for God's sakes. I mean, how could this? How could this fail? I don't um, know how I I'm sorry. Am I in a time warp? <laughs> yes. Yes. Jimmy Graham. Are we baby. just starting the the podcast for real? Like in 2016? Uh, I'm, oh I'm pretty goodness. sure I traded a first rounder for Jimmy Graham in 2016. A certain listener will remind me of that from time to time. Um, but uh, shout out to you, Paul. Um, but yeah, man. So I think Carr is definitely. I, I love the fact that he dug a little bit deeper there. I do think that Superflex is becoming, you know, more prevalent in redraft leagues, um, as it should. Honestly, I, I think it's the it's the preferred way to play for me. I know it's the preferred way to play for me. So I think in redraft leagues, you know, looking that far down the quarterback um, rankings is, is important to do. So I dig it. Uh, I'm gonna go a little bit the opposite though. I, I kind of kept uh, higher up in the ranks because this is a guy that I'm targeting. And I'm, I'm still okay with his price tag right now, um, and that's. That's uh, Justin Herbert bouncing bouncing back this year. I, I think Herbert in his fourth year, his first year with Kellen Moore as his OC, is in for some big things. So last year was definitely disappointing. Uh, in 2022, he was quarterback 15 in points per game. That was despite being number two in the league in pass attempts. He had 699 pass attempts. He was only behind Tom Brady in pass attempts last year. Um, they've continued to be a high-volume passing offense, but the numbers just did not follow uh, for Herbert last year. And again, that just resulted in a poor fantasy performance. So... Uh, his first two years in the league, 31 and 38 passing touchdowns, dropped to 25 last year. But the other thing that also played a part in poor fantasy numbers from week to week was that Herbert went from having eight rushing touchdowns his first two seasons to zero. So rushing touchdowns for quarterbacks like Herbert can be hard to to you know count on. But I, I do think you know probably a couple come come back this season. But um, when you look at his first two seasons, just don't forget. Don't people get trapped? And you still see. I even saw this. You know that multiple sites do this. I don't, I don't want to call them out, but like, like the players you shouldn't, you know, give a second chance to this year. It's like, okay, you know, I buy into that every single time, you know, because I know that people like Herbert or like Lamar or people that got pissed off last year by players, they'll drop because people just, well, they sucked last year. Uh, the first two years for Justin Herbert, he averaged 22.3 points per game. If the, he would have done that last year, that's QB four still. He's he's had some big seasons. So I mentioned it with Kellen Moore. I think you also add Quinton Johnson in the draft. Um, just more weapons can never hurt everybody, anybody. So in ADP right now, he's roughly going quarterback six or seven, um, which depending where you look, he's definitely behind Burrow in ADP. Regardless of the injury, I'll take Herbert every day. Um, he's right there with Justin Fields as well. I'll take Herbert every day there still as well. But the other thing is in that ADP is that He's kind of like the last quarterback before a pretty uh, decent drop between uh, tiers. So like that he's definitely for me worth the price tag and I'll take a shot on Herbert as kind of that last in the non Mahomes Allen Hertz tier um, at quarterback. So I'm okay taking the shot on Herbert this year. If, it, if the price tag is, uh, is looking good and maybe in round, you know, six or even five. Um, if, uh, if you feel like you got to take a shot at one. So 
Yeah, I absolutely I, agree but, with that. I, the skill position players there are, are fantastic for a quarterback. And uh, we've seen him, his ability to just kind of adapt. Like, that's that's the thing I like about Justin Herbert. Like, there were a lot of knocks against him coming out of the draft, but he's just came into this league and he's adjusted and done all the things people said he couldn't. And mm-hmm. you, you talked about Quentin Johnson. They're just, they're adding weapons and, and – the tight ends there, Donald Parham. For some reason, I have him on way too many teams <laughs> waiting for him to hit. But he's a monster, man. If he ever figured out how to put it together, like he's six foot eight or something like that, playing tight end. Like, mm. and then you still have Gerald Everett there. So yeah. he's got all the tools I think he needs. He it's just got to put it all together. And like you said, there's a little bit of bad luck that went into last year as far as his numbers go. I I think it's easy, would be easy for him to turn it around. Yeah, and with more coming in as well. I mean, it'll be usually, you know, you like to see that consistency, but I think it's that's just going to be another positive for him. I mean, Dallas was the number one, number three scoring offense the last two seasons, um, you know, so with more as the OC and in, in for the Cowboys. So I think that's going to be an interesting year for the Chargers. They're obviously in a very tough division, so they're they're going to have to keep up. It's, it's going to be a boat race after boat race uh, in the AFC West. There you go. Uh, make sure to get boat race in there, the journey on, on board. So <laughs> let's let's move to the fades. Quarterbacks we're looking to avoid in 2023. Seth, I'll kick it back to you. Yeah, so uh, I know what I have on the dock, and I'm going to call an audible on it. Oh, uh, so I was going to talk about Justin Fields, but I did that last week, and I kind of I was feeling like, yeah, that might be a cop out. Um, people know how I feel about the Chicago Bears quarterback position. Just just the position doesn't matter who's in it. Just the position is just awful. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, Dak Prescott instead. Uh, so he's coming out at uh, around the ninth or 10th quarterback off the board right now, which is not in and of itself too terrible. What I'm concerned about, though, is that the, the distance between quarterback 9 and 10 or even 11 and 12 is so small that I am not uh, – I, I don't want to go with the risk of Dak when I could have someone else that's a little bit more consistent for me at the quarterback position. If I'm passing on the guys that are likely to blow up and give me big points, like you know, Mahomes or uh, Herbert or guys like that, then uh, give me someone that's going to be a little more consistent because when Dak is good, he's really good. But when he is off, he is off. He is terrible. Uh, and that level of you – know, I'm going to have risk in other players, like I talked about last week with uh, running back and that kind of thing. So I don't need I don't need to deal with that at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially for paying you know paying that price when there's other options. Right. We know this position's deep in one QB league, so I guess I'll I guess I'll let it go that you're talking crap about my quarterback. Um, but uh, how you about talk you crap about mine all the time? It's easy Except though. My... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's easy to do though. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, uh, journey, get over to you, man. Any thoughts on Dak or, or who's your fate at quarterback? <clears throat> well, just a quick thought on Dak. We talked about Kellen Moore just a minute ago going mm-hmm. to uh, LA. So, you got Dak who is inconsistent, and now you have a new offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. But Mike McCarthy will make everything okay, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just uh, don't feed we'll me see. that crap. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with Anthony Richardson as my QB fade uh, for redraft. Uh, Overall, I saw him at 110 QB 14, which is 
pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, I like him as a player quite a bit. In fact, he was my favorite quarterback from a dynasty perspective, I think, coming out in this track. Um, physical traits and speed, obviously, huge upside, absolutely. But the problem for me is twofold. That offensive line is not very good. Like, it, it seems like on paper they have – good pieces, you know, with Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly and Braden Smith, but they didn't gel last year at all, you know, and, and, and I don't know what's going on with that. Maybe they can somehow fix it, but it just wasn't cohesive last year. And I think a lot of people are assuming that because Richardson is so fast, it can scramble and, and make positive yardage out of bad plays that he can kind of overcome some of that. But that's a tough thing to ask a rookie to come in and do. Um, rookie QBs, you know, they traditionally struggle. In fact, I went down a little bit of a wormhole. It was quick math. But I tried to find a quick kind of hit rate on rookie QBs for fantasy. And unless I missed something, again, I did this pretty quick. But I found three rookie quarterbacks that finished in the top 12 in fantasy in the last 10 years. That was Dak Prescott in 16, was QB9. Kyler Murray was QB11 in 19, and Herbert was 7 in 2020. So that's uh, the odds are stacked against him already. And then, you know, obviously the uh, uh, second part of this argument is the whole Jonathan Taylor thing. That is, it just keeps looking ugly. In fact, shortly before I came on here, I found a uh, Diana Rossini posted on X. You guys, oh. um, we'll just keep going at Twitter here. It's all right. Mentioned that, <laughs> yeah. uh, fight the power. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she posted that, uh, running back Kareem Hunt was called. This is a quote called by Indy before he even stepped foot on the field to work out for the Saints and was offered more money per source. So that screams to me that they don't have a whole lot of faith that Jonathan Taylor is going to be either starting the season or maybe playing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, you know, He's been doing this weird off-site rehab stuff that you don't see very often. There's, you know, if you're just reading the tea leaves, it doesn't look like a good situation. And if you don't have a strong running game to go along with that rookie quarterback, that's a, that's a big deal. And uh, you know, obviously Zach Moss broke his arm, so your depth piece there. Uh, they signed Kenyon Drake last Saturday. Um, it could just simply have been a depth signing, but it's still, it's just more evidence that they're, they're nervous about the Jonathan Taylor thing. So I love little pieces of trivia like this, but, and I actually found this before the, the Drake signing, but mm-hmm. before they signed him, the next most, most accomplished runner on the roster behind Jonathan Taylor and Moss was Gardner Minshew. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. That Maybe is that's not what they gonna, do. That's not going to help a rookie quarterback succeed right there. (laughs) No, definitely not. I I think when you mentioned the ADP of QB 14, I mean, I I do think that that's going to, that has a chance to creep up, Uh, especially one preseason game, you know, um, because I was in a few, I've been in a few drafts already. Um, One is SFB, which, you know, obviously you kind of have to take risks there and I get it, but like I saw Richardson go as like the seventh or eighth quarterback off the board in that draft. And it's just like, it only takes one. Right. And I just don't yeah. see the, 
the value there either. Like, you know, nope. the whole thing we talked about all offseason or, you know, that we at the general, we the world uh, was that Richardson was a project quarterback and needed time. And then, you know, oh, he was maybe a first rounder. Oh, maybe he's top 15. Maybe he's top 10. Bam, you know, top five or whatever. So it just, you know, I wish they could give him time. Fantasy owners that, you know, you may end up with a startable, streamable quarterback there. But I don't, if you're taking him thinking that he's going to outperform some of these other guys, I, I just don't, I don't see it myself. But yeah, um, and, and like that dynasty bonus, you know, if he does start off terrible this year, start sending offers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. bonus yeah <laughs> uh my fade at the quarterback position i'm gonna uh quarterback that's going inside the top 10 of adp is uh trevor lawrence his adp is qb8 um but i mentioned as far as like with herbert he's kind of the last guy in that tier he is for me but in adp lawrence is actually kind of right there with that herbert fields um burrow like upward he's actually lawrence is 25 spots currently ahead in adp of deshaun watson and Dak prescott so i know lawrence had a nice jump last year we saw completion percentage had made a huge jump his touchdowns went from 12 to 25 um but he still just averaged 17 and a half fantasy points per game which that was qb 11 um in points per game they added calvin ridley um but i think if you're drafting him where he's currently being taken um that you're really banking on him to out you can get somebody like Watson and Dak suit, you know, 25 spots later, but even you look 50 spots later on overall ADP, you're looking at a guy like Kirk cousins. I think it's just very little risk. So for me, it's, it's Trevor Lawrence just from the standpoint of, I just, I just don't think it's going to be worth the price tag um, when players like that just are, it's just not necessary, especially the quarterback position to, to pay up. So again, redraft, I'm going to try to fade Trevor Lawrence for dynasty. If you have them to keep living that dream. So, uh we'll we'll keep it moving we'll uh so we'll just jump right to the running backs we'll go running back target Seth who you got yeah I'm gonna go with Alvin Kamara uh mentioned a little bit earlier and so now the question mark around his suspension uh is answered it's gonna be three games uh which is not um a death sentence in terms of fantasy value so his his stock should drop a little bit you know because you're guaranteed three games out and that's fine uh but he has uh, pretty much he is delivered pretty much every year of his career um, and has never been outside a RB2 um, or even an RB20. Uh, last year, I think he was in 19 in terms of um, half-point PPR scoring. Uh, and that was coming off an injury and everything. So I'm willing to take the shot on Kamara as that running back, like that potential stud running back that I talked about last week. Um, and you know, I could put together a, uh, a Frankenstein RB for three weeks. That's not a problem. Um, but if I, if, especially based on what value you can get for him, especially if it keeps going down, uh, I, I think you can have a steal with Camara because he's still got it. All right. I, I, and definitely getting that answer to the question is big. I'm glad that we got yeah. it early on um, so that people will have an idea. But um, I, I think there were a lot of question marks. We'll see how that affects the ADP over the next week or two, but definitely worth a guy that I'm keeping an eye on um, just to see. Because like you said, you can put together that quarter, that running back for a few weeks what to fill in. It's going to be the first three weeks of the season. We're going to know exactly when we need to fill in, and you're going to have an entire roster at your disposal. No bye weeks yet. You know, that depth pieces you can use as starters to get you by. Uh, and then hopefully have Kamara for the run um, starting in week four. So 
Uh, Jernigan, uh, you got a, you got another older type running back that Dynasty owners had just completely bailed on <laughs> this offseason, but you're liking him for 23. Who are you targeting? I like Joe Mixon. I think he's going deeper than he should. Uh, obviously, I think a lot to do with that is the inconsistent 2022 season he had. A lot of that was due to touchdowns falling off. Um, weeks one through eight, he only had three touchdowns, and then eight through 18, he had six touchdowns. So according to Fantasy Pros, from week nine until the conference championship, he was averaging 16.7 fantasy points per game, which would, would have made him running back five on the season. So he he did all the things still that you want from a, a true kind of workhorse running back. He was sixth in the league in touches per game by a running back. Second in carries inside the 10-yard line, so he's getting those red zone looks. Uh, he reworked his contract in July, so that's not a distraction anymore. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, like. Uh, so the the offensive line, I think, should hopefully be a little better. They added Orlando Brown, and I know they keep trying to throw things at that offensive line and hope it works, but I think he's an upgrade. And, uh, he's an upgrade at left tackle in my mind, and that's obviously a big position. And the, the most important thing is that he's he is a true workhorse. Okay, not not just rushing. He had 60 receptions last year, and that was with Samaj P. Ryan kind of peeking down the season and taking a bunch of uh, carries away from him. But P. Ryan's gone now. He's in Denver. Um, behind Mixon on the depth chart currently are Trayvon Williams, who has a mild ankle sprain right now, Chase Brown, and Chris Evans. So I don't see them taking a majority of carries unless something silly happens. So if you can get a guy who's like the clear cut number one on a team as a running back in the fourth round, I love that value. Yeah, I, I dig it. Uh, that's a player I was trying to buy up and see if I got lucky. The contract situation worked itself out. And he's still in Cincy. So fantasy owners should be able to take advantage for 2023. I'm going to go with a guy that's getting an opportunity this year, and I'm targeting Alexander Madison. Uh, the thing the, the similar uh, to what Jernigan mentioned with Mixon, there's not really much else behind him. Uh, Minnesota, I think, showed their cards this se- this offseason. They signed Madison with, for, uh, from free agency. They could have let him walk. They let go of Dalvin Cook, cut him, ate a pretty hefty price tag there. Uh, what we've seen from Dalvin Cook the last three years, well, a little bit of a decline, but still production. You know, RB3, RB12, RB11, and RB15. So 3, 11, and 15 the last three seasons in points per game. Um, we saw when he did get his opportunity that Madison had some big games. You know, in 2021, you got to go back. That was the last time he got starts. Um, but three of the four starts that he had, he had 20-plus points. So I think this kid's got skills. He just was stuck behind Dalvin Cook, you know, a very talented running back. But um, – the one thing that I think is going to be uh, interesting is where you the price tag right now. Madison's going as RB23 in the mid-fifth round, um, early to mid-fifth round. And I think this is an offense that, again, they don't really have much behind him. I think he's going to get his opportunities. They were seventh in scoring last year under first-year head coach Kevin O'Connell. Um, so I, I think there's op- there's opportunities for Madison to be the lead dog. He, he might not get Joe Mixon receptions, but I still think 40 – receptions in the cards that's what dalvin cooks had pretty consistently over the last few years he had 39 last year so i'm gonna round up uh but i I think this is a kid that you know he's getting his opportunity they they didn't bring anybody behind him as of now so 
uh, I'm feeling pretty confident in uh, a fourth or fifth round Alexander Madison and feeling like I can get a top 15 running back pretty easily. So uh, we'll see. Uh, let's move to the fade. We'll keep this thing rolling. Seth, who are we avoiding at the running back position? Yeah, so it may come as a surprise because he hasn't – he's done – he's just uh, produced so far in his uh, short career as Najee Harris. Um, I, when I watch him though, I just see like an attempt at being Derrick Henry. Just, you know, there's no, there's not, but no finesse that goes along with that. Uh, He's just bashing himself into the line over and over and over. And because they, I mean, Mitch Trubisky is on their QB roster as not the last guy on the roster, right? They're, they were hurt somewhat. Um, so I, I feel for them. Um, but it, I don't know. When I watch, when I watch Najee Harris, I see somebody attempting to be like an old school bruising running back. And that's just not how the league works anymore. Uh, they have pieces in their wide receiver core that they should be able to utilize to great effect. Uh, and um, it's, I don't know, it's, it, this is completely uh, just kind of a feeling for me and based on my own observations in, in, uh, in watching him, but I, I'm, I'm not, I'm more willing to take some of the wide receivers that are going around Najee Harris in terms of where his draft position right now, which is at 27. Yeah, 27. Um, so uh, not a wide receiver, but Ramondre Stevenson, I would prefer over Najee Harris. I think there's more potential there. Uh, you know, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, um, and uh, Chris Olave. So some of those guys I think would be better served. On that one, I know I talked about like risky risk on running backs, and if you want to take one on on Harris, I get it, uh, but that's one I'm going to be avoiding. Yeah, we saw Warren get some decent run last year. He looked better at times, honestly. Yeah, uh, we kind of thought maybe it was Najee injury situation. So hopefully, we'll be able to tell right away whether Najee is just kind of already you know uh, seen his peak uh, from that rookie year, or whether he's back healthy. But you definitely got to pay a price. There's no discount. I mentioned earlier the guys uh, taking a dip because people burn them. Najee, apparently everyone's just whipping out the forgiveness, you know, rag and slapping him with it. Cause he's, he's sitting there as RB 12. Um, the forgiveness I, rag. We're yeah, going to have to add that yeah. to the list. <laughs> Enjoy Jernigan. You got a high end guy. You're, you're, uh, you're not in on. I do. And I am not in on this guy in a big way. Travis ETN is the guy uh, overall 30 running back 12. That is crazy to me. After James Robinson was traded to the Jets last year, ETN handled 74% of the carries. There is no humanly way that is sustainable throughout an entire season. Uh, And even ETN has gone on record saying he can't do that. So uh, they made it clear by drafting Tank Bigsby in the third round, who just profiles as that first and second down between the tackles guy. I think he's going to get a lot of work. And they also brought in Dearness Johnson, who at times with Cleveland showed that he's a good back and he can catch passes and do all the third down roll type stuff too. It would not shock me at all if this was kind of a three-headed monster with ETN kind of leading the way with timeshare. But there is no way for a second I believe he's going to replicate his past production. You have to take him over guys like uh, 
DK Metcalf and Jamar Gibbs and Debo Samuel and Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon, who I talked about earlier. And I just, I, I think that's kind of crazy. In fact, he's being taken ahead of Kenneth Walker in ADP. I think they're kind of similar. Uh, you know, the Seahawks obviously drafted somebody else, but I know that the Seahawks are going to run the ball like crazy. And I know if, when Kenneth Walker's healthy, he's going to be a big part of that. So I honestly think I'd take Walker ahead of him. And I think just, uh, I think you guys pointed to two potential delayed around dart throws and Warren and Bigsby. I think those are two guys that every time I see them come up in you know, uh, in ADP, I'm like, man, I just, this is not, this is a, this is a cheap dart throw, you know? And, uh, I don't have it in front of me. So you guys will have to do your own homework, but ETN, everyone just, always thinks of him as the pass catcher. There were some huge brain fart moments last year where he just would drop easy passes. Maybe it's from being overworked, maybe a little bit less uh, on the ground will help him in that area, but um, he's not necessarily been the prolific pass catcher we had hoped coming out of Clemson. But um, I'm going to go with a running back. That's a big name. He's not overly pricey at the moment, but I'm still looking to avoid. Uh, and that's Deandre Swift. His ADP right now is running back 27. That puts him around the mid fifth round. Um, fifth or sixth round, I don't care. I'm, I'm not spending uh, it on him right now. DeAndre Swift, obviously going to be with the Philadelphia Eagles in 2023. We saw Miles Sanders had that crazy 2021 season where he had zero touchdowns, which was weird. He Nice bounce back season last year. Um, he had uh, 11 touchdowns on the ground, just uh, tw- over 1,200 yards, just under 260 carries, played all 17 games. Really solid, right? Those are great numbers. Again, 260, 1,200, uh, and 11. That's great, 11 touchdowns. He only had 20 receptions. So in PPR, that made him RB22 in points per game. That's not good enough. Um, when you look at uh, the running back position as a whole for the Philadelphia Eagles, they had a total, every running back on their roster, 55 targets. Jernigan will tell you, he was up there in, in Detroit. DeAndre Swift is a pass catcher, baby. And if he's not getting passes, he's not going to have enough on the ground. He's already competing with Rashad Penny, who despite being given, I think, a bag of peanuts you know, for to sign there, he, he's been getting a lot of hype right now uh, out of camp. They still have Kenneth Gainwell, who flashed down the stretch, and, of course, the old trusty Boston Scott, who they'll roll out twice a year to beat the living crap out of the Giants. So I think that, that running back room is a little bit full. So even at running back 27, uh, I'm not in on DeAndre Swift. He's going right around Madison, who I obviously mentioned earlier, but James Conner, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins. He's even going about a half a round before Javante Williams, who that ADP might slide up now that his injury is looking more positive. But I, I just don't see the point of taking Swift there. If he drops back a round or two behind those guys, sure, I'll take a stab. But I think right now uh, that's that's pretty pricey for me, even at RB27. So voiding uh, DeAndre Swift. All right, bonus time. Gave you guys a free reign, quarterback or running back, target or a fade, however you want to go. Uh, spoiler alert, we all went running backs because quarterback's kind of boring. Um, but, uh, Seth, I'll, I'll kick it to you, man, because uh, I don't even know if you're targeting or fading this guy, so we're all going to learn together right here. Yeah, so uh, this one will seem even more hot takey, I think, uh, but there there's good reason for it. I'm going to fade Derrick Henry. So the um, – his production has been spectacular, like we've talked about. Uh, but there are there are things, uh, not, not things, there are um, analysts in the industry whose work I focus on more than anyone else's because they are the experts at that, whatever it is they do. Matt Harmon with wide receivers uh, and, and so on. One of those analysts is Ross Tucker. 
and that is from uh, the, he has his own podcast empire. You've probably heard of him, but he, he's an offensive line guy and he has been putting out rankings for several years about where offensive lines are going to be. And I was listening to, uh, he was on a podcast recently. I was listening to him and he pointed out that a few years ago, we were treating the Tennessee Titans offensive line as the second great wall of Dallas. Like they were top of the line uh, and just elite uh, offensive linemen that were there to protect and, and uh, allow the rushing game to really uh, take flight. And all of those guys are gone now, which does not happen in the NFL. Like it, it just like you know, three years ago, there were top tier guys and not a single one of them are there anymore. So they're bringing, they're cobbling together this offensive line from table scraps, it seems like. And uh, and Tucker has them ranked dead last in his rankings as of right now, which is huge for a team that is entire identity is around running the ball. Um, so that I I fully expect Derrick Henry to still be good, but I don't know if I can justify spending uh like a, a early second round pick on a guy that is may not be able to return that value yeah o-line is obviously something that gets overlooked uh i think and when you're in you and sometimes it's like it's great to have a good one but having a bad one can be detrimental so yes. i think that's that's a that's a key fact uh we're sticking with a running back and we'll go to you jernigan who you got I'm going to go Rashad White, and I can try to keep this quick. Uh, it's not because he's the greatest running back in the world. Um, one might argue that he's not even that good of a running back, but he is the running back for the Bucs. Um, there is not much competition there, uh, and to get a starting running back who's also involved in the passing game in the sixth round is awesome. Um, he had 50 receptions last year, and if you're in any sort of PPR league, that's awesome getting him that late. Fournette's gone now. Uh, White kind of started wrestling that position away from him before the end of the year anyway, but he's gone now. Chase Edmonds is the the only real competition. Um, now the offensive line isn't great, and that team, I don't think the team's going to be overly good, but, but he's going to get some volume. And real quick, I want to sneak one in in, yeah, case, in case you're not thinking about it, that Kendra Miller. Uh, with Hunt and Kamara and Jamal Williams, that dude isn't seeing the field this year. So don't do him in redraft. <laughs> Fading him, yeah. I, yeah, for uh, sure. Agreed. Agreed. I like that. Uh, I'm, I'll wrap this thing up uh, with a target running back. I'm going with Khalil Herbert, uh, Chicago Bear running back. He is running back 37 in ADP. That's that's overall. He's round, round nine. Um, now, really, to me, when I was looking at this backfield, especially if you remember last year, if you own Montgomery or Herbert, the split was just freaking maddening. Um, you know, there was it was in essence a 55-45 uh, split between the two. There were 12 games where these these uh, the two running backs were active, but Herbert was actually outperforming Montgomery. He had about 35 less uh, carries, but he had almost 100 more yards. Uh, he was just ahead of him in points per game in PPR because Monty was the only one catching the ball. But Khalil Herbert had a pretty nice season last year. When you look at Montgomery, he had 34 receptions on 40 targets. Uh, again, Herbert didn't see that workload. But if he's the main primary back now, even if he's splitting, if he's getting 55 to 60% of the workload and he can get that 35 to 40 targets, that's a very valuable piece that you can get, again, outside the first eight rounds. 
All the Bears have done is add Dante Foreman, who was a two-year, uh, a one-year, two million dollar contract, and then a fourth round Rashawn Johnson, who again dynasty owners will will flock over, but he's still a rookie. It's going to take him some time to get on the field, so I think Herbert's going to get his chance. Um, they add some weaponry around that offense this year, so I'm hoping that it'll be better than 23rd. It's where they rank last year in scoring. So Herbert's a guy that I think is going to be the starter. I do think there's going to be a split. So if you think you're getting a bell cow there, like I, I think White is going to see more work, like as far as a percentage goes in that offense in Tampa than Herbert may in, in Chicago. But I still think it's going to be valuable touches, and and I'm I'm good with a guy getting you know 60 of the workload and 35 to 40 catches. That's a flex guy for me. All right. Uh, I think that wraps it up. So there's your targets and fades. Next week, Seth and I are going to be doing this for the wide receivers and tight end position. I love. I know that Seth loves talking tight ends, so that he's mm-hmm. been very much looking forward to that show. So we'll cover that next week. But I have so uh, many opinions that I just like. I, I I'm bursting at the seams. <laughs> Uh, his his he's just gonna lead it off. Spoiler: He's gonna lead it off with this position should be banned from fantasy. Just roll it into flex. Um, so there you go. Uh, um, just you know, maybe a foreshadowing for our uh, our mock mock draft later on today. Oh, there we go. Nice. All right. Hopefully, I didn't give too much away, but I'll I'll, I'll give you the floor later. Uh, Jernigan, you. So uh, I'll give the people just a little bit of peek behind the curtain. So uh, Seth and I put this together. Obviously, we got some shows planned out. I hit Jernigan up. This thing scheduled. This boy's been chomping at the bit, doing so much extra over-preparing. I'm like, this guy is so ready to be on this show. So, so far you've delivered. We're 45 minutes in, feeling damn good. Uh, but now we're. I'm just going to let you have the floor, bro. So so what do you got for us here? I, well, first of all, I want to say that when you were talking to G, you alluded to the show running over. On the top of the show notes, it says we're shooting for 45 <laughs> minutes for the entire show. We're like halfway through. With this we point. lie to ourselves every every time. So, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it took Seth and I like, what, two and a half years, bro, to like get down to like just an uber streamlined show, like very yep. efficient, right? We at, Like from year one, we're like, bro, 30 to 40 minutes. That's the key. Hit it. That's what we're going to do. No. Took us like no. two and a half years. Finally got it. And by the time we got really good at it, then we just quit. So, um, yeah. so you guys were like, <laughs> we go out on top. Exactly. Yeah. We go out on top. Yeah. So it, it, it's hard. It's hard to do. I, I just put that up there to make Seth feel good that, uh, and then we can both tell, you know, uh, the ladies, you know, Hey, yeah, probably 40 minutes maybe. And then, you know, two hours later when I come downstairs and she's asleep already or, you know, it's all good. So, but all good, man. Let floor is yours. Let's have it. All right. So what I threw together was I'm calling this counterpoint. And what it's going to be is just kind of talking about a little bit of dynasty strategy. Um, uh, we'll have Seth go first, just for the sake of having someone go first. All I'm right. going to toss out a trade scenario. Uh, I think they're relatively even for the most part. Um, whoever goes first will pick the side they like of the trade and tell us why that is the better side um, and, and kind of the roadmap to get there. The other person will have to defend the other side, even if they don't believe it, you know, mm-hmm. even if it's a, a half-hearted attempt at it, but tell <laughs> us why the other side could be better. Um, just for the sake of, of keeping things consistent, we'll assume it's a 12-team Superflex, like half-point PPR okay. uh, dynasty format. Um, so good. the first one to throw out. Uh, and sorry, Jordan, just before we start, do you want us to um, come at it as if we're contenders or rebuild or middle of the road? 
I would say, or do you want you do want one of both? Uh, I was going to say, I, I mean, just lay it out however you feel strongly about it. I guess understood. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so the first one I have here is Kyler Murray. Uh, and the other side of that is Derek Henry and Derek Carr. So if that's right. your trade, Seth, which side of that are you taking? Uh, I'm going to go with the the Derek to Derek uh, combo there. Uh, the I know I talked about fading Derrick Henry in redraft, but uh, the fun part about Derrick Henry and Derek Carr this year is that they'll actually be playing. So that's that's a big deal. Uh, we don't know when Kyler Murray is going to be back. And even before his injury last season, he was starting to fall apart on him, that whole situation there. We don't know. Uh, it, it's possible that if you stick with Murray over the course of several years, it can turn around. If I'm a contender, no question I'm going with the Derricks here. Even if I'm uh, in a rebuild, I think I should be able to move Murray for more than I would be able to move uh, Derrick Henry and Derek Carr, and that still gives me enough to be uh, to do what I need to do to get to to do a rebuild. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with Derricks. Yeah, that, and this one's easy for me because I've spent my entire summer, um, besides trying to figure out how to keep a very tiny human alive, um, acquiring shares of Kyler Murray. That's what I've been doing in my other part-time job because, give me, uh, I think right now it's low. You know, you're buying low, but the price tag is low. The kid just turned 26 yesterday, so happy birthday to Kyler, uh, and welcome to all my Dynasty rosters. Uh, I, I think, you know, is Kyler Murray a top five quarterback like we have seen flashes of? Maybe, maybe not. Um, and obviously going back from an ACL is tough because it's a rushing quarterback, but we've seen guys overcome this before. I think for 2023, it's a wash. Every team that I got him on, I'm not counting on him for this year. Um, I'm purely just redshirting him pretty much. Uh, and whether if my team's a contender, I have an alternative option. Um, I can get you can get quarterbacks so freaking cheap in super flexes that are old and nobody likes. Right. You can go get Jimmy Garoppolo for nothing. Right. And just plug him in. Um, he's not going to give you Kyler Murray production, but uh, it'll get you through if, if you're looking to bandaid it over. But again, I'm redshirting Kyler Murray from a dynasty perspective for this year. I'm not worrying about it. And at worst, all these Kyler Murray shares I have, I think the value is just going to go back up from here. I think this is pretty much about as low as it's going to get um, on Kyler Murray. Again, he's super young. He's a quarterback that's shown potential. The only real question mark I have for me is just, is he in Arizona after this year? Uh, it's going to shape up really good for them as far as the first-round picks they have. They could pivot again. This is a team that hasn't shied away from that in the past, Josh Rosen. Uh, so, you know, could he end up somewhere else? Probably. But for me, I think Derrick Henry is a one-and-done for this year. Derek Carr still scares me, even though he went somewhere that apparently wants him. Uh, and I think I think Murray just has that top 10 upside still for, for dynasty quarterback. And, and I feel really good about that. I think this is, this is about the, the floor for him. So I'm acquiring him wherever I can. And I think another bonus to the Kyler Murray side is that means you were able to get value out of Derrick Henry, who is going to become a corpse at some point, right? Like there's yes. no way he can just continue like this. I found a fun Derrick Henry little tidbit of information while I was doing some digging on this. He currently sits at 58th all time for rushing attempts. And if he gets 300 more this season, which is about average for him, he'll move up to 41st and only be six behind 40th. I was actually, when I, when I found this, I was kind of shocked that he was that low. Mm. 
uh, I kind of want to give props to the old school workhorse guys. <laughs> and Kyle, you're going to love this. Your boy, Emmett Smith. Like, we think Derrick Henry gets a lot of work. If you double his current number of attempts, he'd still only move up to fifth place. Your boy Emmett ran the ball 4,409 times. That is completely insane. What a different world we live in now. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's just no kidding. It's just crazy. It's just craziness. And uh, yeah, that's what I, when you said that for that did shock me at first. I'm like, I would love to see how many people are on that list that have been even in the league the last four years. Like, Frank Gore's on that know. list. Well, yeah, Fra- Francis is on the list, but you <laughs> yeah. know, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And, um, but yeah, man, it does, that does feel weird because Henry just feels like somebody just gets a bajillion carries. And I mean, that was know. the talking point on him was the no way he can keep up carrying the ball this many times. Well, and it for like two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I love made it. a career out of it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right, Kyle, you're first on this one. You got James Cook on one side of it and you got Dalvin Cook on the other side. Yeah. Uh, I think if you talk to, uh, I don't know, 2018 Kyle, you know, with my dynasty head on, I, I, I'd say Dalvin every time, but, uh, I've definitely learned that, man, you just, the youth just carries so much extra and James cook, I think is shaping up for a decent year this year. He'll probably be the lead back there. They brought in Damian Harris and it's not an offense that produces a ton of running back touchdowns. Uh, but I do think Cook is I've, he's got value. This is a team that spent pretty decent cap, draft capital on him. Um, and again, just being so so young, he's somebody that I can continue to to hold value on my roster and and, and flip. That's what I would do. Like five James Cook, I'm I'm gonna look for a a good start and then look to try to trade him and upgrade somewhere else. Even if I got to add a second to that. To me, Dalvin is just he already slid down to running back 15 in points per game last year. He's just getting up there, and I believe he's 27 or 28. 27. Yeah. So. To me, like that, I try to get out of it from running backs at 26 because you just know it's coming, and then they they just there's no value anymore um, there. So I, I take the James Cook side pretty easily. Yeah, so um, I'll play the opposite to this one. Uh, this one's a little bit easier to define as if you're a, a contender, then I would go Dalvin Cook, and I, I feel pretty strongly about that because we've seen him do it. And yes, he's 27. But there, we've seen plenty of uh, running backs have still have some left in the tank after, uh, in this, you know, the second half of their 20s. Um, and the concern I have with James Cook is you're on a team where can, since Josh Allen became the quarterback, running back hasn't really been that effective because Josh Allen is, takes so much of the rushing uh, game out of the their hands. So yes, you get youth with James Cook and maybe a second contract somewhere. That's going pretty far down the line. And while this is dynasty, that that's a pretty far projection for somebody that I know I can I uh, feel confident I will have Dalvin Cook for at least uh, this year and probably the following year as well. Yeah, and, uh, landing spot's going to be so important for Dalvin, too. Uh, yeah. It's like Jets or Dolphins are kind of what they're talking about. Now, Jets would kind of make it a little bit of a mess. I, 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 don't, I don't know what that would look like. I think if you're that. the Dalvin Cook owner, you're, hope, not, I mean, <laughs> you're hoping for a, an injury somewhere because I, I don't – I think Miami is a cleaner spot for him to have direct yeah. value, but, like, there's just not any other really homes for him, you know, especially when you factor in, like, He's probably not going to go to a team that's absolute trash. So that takes out a third of the league, right? Like, so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll mm-hmm. see. But if there's a clear spot for playing time down the line, that, that might shift my 
argument here, but right now it's tough. All right, let's skip a few of these for the interest for of time. How about um, let's go. <laughs> this will be funny. So, Seth, you get first shot at this. Tony Pollard on one side, Alexander Madison in a 24 second on the other side. Ah, Tony Pollard. Um, yeah, so this one, I'm torn because uh, I've I've really liked Alexander Madison as a uh, a handcuff for Dalvin Cook for a few years now, um, because he seems to have, have pushed himself more over uh, over that. I'm going to go with Madison here, even though he's probably not going to reach the heights that Tony Pollard has already reached, but. Pollard is going to be on the second contract. It, they, he, you know, more or less, essentially just they tagged him. The Cowboys tagged him this year. Um, and that's just one more year. He's not going to be able to perform for somebody else, uh, for a team that's just kind of like, eh, well, you know, we'd like to have you around, but uh, also we're not going to do what we did with Zeke again. We're, hopefully uh, somebody there has learned their lesson. Um, so I'm going to take the the future capital uh, on this one, and the no no question the the lesser of the overall talent and potential, but that combined with uh, future uh, a future draft pick in the second round, I'm uh, I'm going to go with the Madison side here. Yeah, this one's a, this one's a little bit more even uh, than the other two that we did so far, um, and it probably honestly would depend like if we're actually looking at the true trade, like if that 24 second is. Uh, a different teams than the team that's acquiring Tony Pollard. So maybe it's more likely to be earlier Then I, I probably would lean the Madison side and, and live in on with Seth here. But just for the point of counter, like if that's my 24 second and I'm acquiring Tony Pollard, I'm expecting that pick to be late, you know? So um, for me, I, I think Pollard is, is more talented. I still very, I'm cautious about this year because I wanted Dallas to bring in somebody else um, not to replace Tony Pollard or to take the lead role, but, someone that can very much help carry the workload. Pollard was extremely efficient over, over the course of his career in Dallas so far, but he also had Zeke there to kind of do some of the heavy lifting. I kind of was hoping they would do that. They have not. So I just don't know that Pollard is going to be as efficient over a larger workload this year, but I think as long as, uh, but I, I think his upside is more than, than Madison. So I would take the shot there. Um, he's obviously playing for a contract still being franchise tag. So I think Madison is a tier two above, uh, sorry, I think yeah, Pollard is a tier or two above Madison, um, so that second doesn't bridge the gap for me. All right, let's do uh, Seth's favorite here. Let's go Kyle oh, Pitts no. and TJ okay. Hawkinson. There's one more on the list I was hoping you wouldn't do, so I can handle this. <laughs> uh, uh, I think Kyle's first on this one, right? Or did uh, I? Yes, yes. All right, all right cool. So, I'll, man, I – I have Kyle Pitts in so many spots, um, and he's still so freaking young. But I, I'm still going with Hawkinson here. Um, Journey, and you and I were chatting earlier uh, in a text, you know, about this. Uh, I think you could, I think you can pretty safely, and it's probably these two guys, to be honest. Like, I think you could make the argument that Hawkinson's tight end two in Dynasty right now. Um, you know, I think Andrews has kind of had that claim as the tight end one for dynasty just because of Kelsey's age and then tight end two has been Kyle Pitts for maybe the last year or so but I think what we saw from Hawkinson in Minnesota is him getting the opportunity with a very effective quarterback and putting up just some monster numbers for the Minnesota Vikings uh, so I think Hawkinson is somebody that has finally showed his true potential we forget how much how hyped he was coming out of Iowa 
Um, while Pitts was obviously uber hyped, Hawkinson wasn't too far behind, of course, being drafted in the first round by your Detroit Lions because uh, that's what they do. Um, but uh, I think just Hawkinson is just safer. He's already proven it. Um, and while he might not have the extreme upside that Kyle Pitts we've thought has ha- could have, um, that upside ain't that far behind. So I think you could even, if you squint, you could even say that Hawkinson's a tight end one for Dynasty due to his age, um, even over Andrews. So, uh, But I'm going to take Hawkinson. All right. So I'm going to pretty easily go with uh, Kyle Pitts here, not just because that's the only other guy on this side of the trade, but, uh, <laughs> but no, like even if I was going first, I would go with this side. And the reason is the age and the fact that we've already seen potential from him in a way that is not like OJ Howard, right? You know what I mean? So the, like very much hyped coming out of um, coming out of college and, you know, uh, we saw some potential and then it just never materialized. It, Pitts' uh, season was cut short last year with injury and uh, a, you know, uh, kind of a quagmire of quarterback situation there. Uh, yeah, there's my... Seth's word of the week. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had the board. I, I So for all those listening at home, I have been trying so hard to get the board to work with this setup and I, I'm... I have failed you. I have failed you because all I have all the drops and they're playing, but they don't go into uh, the recording here. So I apologize. Uh, it, it hurts my soul. But um, well, yeah, and, so, I'll, 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 and to add to that, we had a drop called Seth's Word of the Week because Seth would use yes. these crazy ass big words that I didn't know, which could have been honestly of any five letter word. But our boy here, Mike Jernigan, hooked us up with a drop for Seth's Word of the Week. Uh, so we used to play that all the time. So uh, I had the forgiveness rag or whatever the hell spewed out of my mouth earlier, which is par for the course for me. Big words that are just shoehorned into fancy football conversations is Seth's specialty. So uh, yeah, I've got I've gotten a little better with that uh, in a with my age um, since then. But this one I I had to put it in there for just Love for it. old time's sake. <laughs> anyway, uh, Kyle Pitts, I think we were talking about. Yes, uh, the the talent is unquestionably there. And we have not seen very many uh, tight ends perform in their first few years ever. Uh, there, you can count the uh, you can count the number of tight ends that have, have been deserving of like top five tight end status on a year to year basis uh, on one hand. So even even with this hype, he's only going into his third year, and this is. Uh, because we've seen the the potential there, I think Hawkinson is going to be a good long-term dynasty tight end, but the ceiling for Kyle Pitts is absolutely incredible uh, in my, in my humble opinion. Uh, but I'm going to go with the, I'm going to go with the age there and um, sorry about that. Uh, and <laughs> no one knew it was you until you just fessed up. So <laughs> well, yeah. I'm not, you two are obviously more professional than I am. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm not going to besmirch your good names, uh, even while I'm doubling down on the words. Um, but yeah, I'm going to stop rambling now. Kyle Pitts is <laughs> equals really, really good, and I want him. Yeah, I think that was a tough one. Uh, Hawkinson is sneaky young, by the way, at 26. Like, I'm not sure how young I – like, I knew he was young because the Lions drafted him, and I kind of knew when he came in the league. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess for some reason I thought he was old. That trade last year still just 
throws just confuses me. But for fantasy, it worked out great. Mm-hmm. Well, I the Lions didn't want to pay him. I mean, yeah, I guess. I, I don't know if Laporta was the plan, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe they maybe they went out there. This man, this rookie class of tight ends. Oh man, we're all with this needs to work because if these three dudes don't hit at least two of them, this position is going to get gross fast. Um, I mean, it is already bad. I mean, we, we're 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 heading towards the sunset on some of these guys, so we need somebody to take their places. You know. All right. How about one more in the interest of time? Let's do it. Uh, I want to do this one because honestly, I can completely see both sides of this, and the more I looked at it, the more I confused myself. So. Let's do C.D. Lamb on one side, Christian Watson and Jordan Addison on the other side. I was hoping you'd do this one because it is hands down C.D. Lamb. Uh, That man is a stud, and he's going to be one of the best receivers in the league for many years to come. Uh, I I like the potential of Christian Watson, and Jordan Addison exists, so uh, that's fine. But C.D. Lamb is a proven commodity right now and he is going to continue to be for regardless of who's his quarterback for many years to come there's no question i'm i'm out yeah, i rest my I, face it's the, the cowboys are never going to let cd lamb go anywhere so you know and as much as we've seen Dak prescott throw a bajillion interceptions last season i still think he's an above average quarterback in the nfl um even if he's Kirk cousins that's fine you know i think cd lamb showed last year he could be the alpha um, so these are the kind of trades that I like when I see them made, I'm just like, man, I, the, you know, to give up an alpha, you know, is, is really, really tough. But, you know, I do think Watson and Addison have, you know, some really nice upside. This is, but I, uh, you know, long-term, but the thing is you need both of them to hit. So, uh, if I'm on that Watson Addison side, the one thing I'll lead into is they're, they are a little bit younger still than CD lamb. Uh, they are in a situation where, uh, you know, with Watson, he, sh- he should be the number one guy there in Green Bay. And we saw really nice flashes from him last season. And also the growth that he showed from the beginning of the year to the end, I think also gives you a lot of faith that that can continue to, to occur in Green Bay. Um, we haven't seen Addison obviously play yet, uh, but being in a situation opposite J- Justin Jefferson should at least um, make him a, a very solid wide receiver too. We've seen that over the course of time there in Minnesota, that they can support both. Um, they're number one and number two receivers. So I think uh, on that side of the trade, Watson needs to be a low end one. Um, and then with Addison being a, a mid two, that wins you this trade overall, I think. Yeah, I thought when I was looking into this, Watson, I didn't realize he was as big as he is, 6'4". Yeah. Like, and he runs a four three six forty. Like, that's mm-hmm. huge. And the growth that he showed, I, I'm with there, right there with you, Kyle. Like, he was impressive towards the end of the year, and he really flashed some things. So if he continues to grow, that's awesome. Yeah, in Minnesota, it, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say, if you make this trade, if you trade CD Lamb away for those two pieces, like I just, you need to have another <laughs> alpha on your roster. Yeah. Um. You know, like if you do that, like I, I don't think it's a bad trade, but just like I've definitely kind of learned, like I, th- those rare blue chips are hard to find. So if you can get one, you do it, and you'll figure out the rest of the problem later. That's future use problem. Um, so if you got if I could trade Watson Addison for CD, that'd be freaking awesome. Um, even though you know, because I got to fill another spot, but um, yeah, man, it, it, these young guys are definitely interesting. But you can cash in on those for for guys that are just as for guys that are almost just as young and and obviously proven. I can actually see a scenario where CD Lamb has a down year this year, though. They bring in Brandon Cooks, who has a thousand yard season every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gallup 
presumably is back and healthy. He's had a thousand yard season. Mm-hmm. So you got a lot of mouths to feed there. Yeah, and the and the and that offense changed. How much did, Car- did McCarthy really have his finger on it last year, um, yeah. or is he switching it up? So there there are some adjustments there for for Lamb. So what what the Jernigan, you said that was the last one you were going to do, which is fine. But Seth, you said there was one that you didn't want to do. Uh, Justin Fields for Amon Ross St. Brown and Drake London. <laughs> I just didn't want you to be the first one and obviously choose the Drake London side, so I had to defend Justin Fields. Uh, yeah, gotcha. That, uh, I I appreciate that that kindness. That's an interesting. Name. That that's an interesting one. Before we just turn the page and go to the mock mock, I know we're running late. Which, I mean, for for us, we're probably good. Jernigan's on the East Coast time, so it's already freaking like ten o'clock over there. Um, but, but real quick, Amon Rob, bro, you're down boots on the ground in Detroit. Um, I don't know if it's just because you have like kind of the old receiver guard, like with Adams and Cup and Diggs, like those kind of guys, like for Dynasty. And then you kind of have the Uber elite, you know, Jefferson Chase, and you can kind of maybe lean into like an AJ Brown and Lamb. I'm in mean, I was right there. Like I've seen him in Dynasty rankings, like wide receiver five. Um, and I, I really, I, he's shown it. He's been a stud. But like, do you, are you buying in on that, you know, going forward? Or do you think like, ah, oh, man, it's, there might just not be enough to distract people. Like this guy's probably maybe more of a, you know, a low end one than a, than a mid mid one. What's your thoughts on Amon Rod for dynasty? I am really starting to buy in on him, especially since, and maybe this is jaded Lions fan talking here, but we've had so many cases in Detroit where we draft wide receivers that are complete bus. My radar is pinging on Jamison Williams. He is doing like he's on my knucklehead scale mm. right now mm. he just can't seem to get on the field he's you know getting in trouble with the gambling most recently even in practice like for some reason they're saying he's dropping a lot of balls and he's not being consistent like this is a guy you drafted to come in and, and be your stud wide receiver and dude can't find the field mm-hmm. so that's problematic uh and if he doesn't turn into that true one i mean amon is the only thing you got you're running mm. around there you know you got Marvin Jones, obviously, who's – I don't even know how old he is at this point, but it seems like he's been kicking around the league for a decade at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you let Chark go in the offseason and um, Reynolds, whatever. But <laughs> – Yeah. I, I just it's, – it, it's just interesting to me because, again, I think, like, we just haven't seen – you know, Devonta Smith, maybe his value kind of got crushed a little bit from being, you know, with Brown going AJ there, Brown, yeah. you know, but – uh, yeah, I think Amon Raj, just that was was surprising one to me. I'm like, man, he's. But then when I looked, I'm like, I don't know that I have him too much more lower, too much lower than that. And you mentioned Jameson dropping dropping passes. You hear Amon Raj drops a pass and he goes over and catches 200 balls after after practice and catches like an extra like <laughs> like one to make up for that as well. Like the dude's crazy and it's not allowed yeah. to drink water apparently like we saw last year on Hard Knock. So yeah, um, <laughs> so, yeah I'm a believer. I'm a anyway, believer. cool. One thing on on that, I know we're. Yeah, where is the reunion to whatever, man? Yeah, encore, whatever. Yeah, um, one thing that uh, Amon Ra St. Brown had his rookie year at the end of the season, he had six straight games of like double digit targets, and that was because the Lions weren't doing anything, but it just he just kept blowing up. Last year, he had eight games with double digit targets and another four games with nine targets. Is that sustainable in the? in the environment that we're in today in today's NFL, because not very many receivers get that kind of target share. 
God, Jernigan. I was going to say, I think for this year, it's very sustainable. You have um, a, a new backfield who, you know, there's a lot of hype around Gibbs, but we haven't seen it yet, right? So you don't know that he's going to be a stud catching passes out of the backfield. Uh, you have Laporta coming in at tight end who, again, there's a lot of hype, but we haven't seen it. He's never played an NFL game. So is he going to be as effective as Hawkinson? You know, who knows? That's That story hasn't been written yet. Uh, again, you let Chark go out the door, who he was streaky at best, but we we know what he is. Marvin Jones is probably equal, right? I mean, or do we still think Marvin Jones is better than Chark? I don't know. I, I, I feel like we're picking nits at this point, but I don't think the receiving team around St. Brown didn't get better. So mm -hmm. I don't know where you're going to funnel the passes. And you can make an argument with Hot Gone that it might have got worse. Yeah. Yeah. I think the good thing for Amon Ra is one, like Swift was already catching a crap ton of passes. So if Gibbs just steps into that, gets a little bit more, I don't think that's like all of a sudden a drastic change where it's like, oh, they didn't used to throw to the running back. Now they will because they have Gibbs. Like, so there's that. But the other thing that I think Jameson, if he ever finds a freaking field, is that he's such a compliment to Amon Ra. Like they don't do the same thing. You know, that's yeah. why like I've struggled a little bit with even though I love T. Higgins, I've kind of struggled with like what's he gonna get more like with in Cincinnati, like because him and Chase are very more similar. Um, you know, that I just don't know that he I think he needs to go somewhere else to see the potential of like where people are ranking him right now, um, which is extremely, extremely high. As much I love Higgins, don't get me wrong, but like he stays in Cincy. What do you value? Having a good quarterback and being number two or going somewhere else and being an alpha. Um, and, but yeah, anyway, Amon Ra, I, I think it's definitely interesting and in what we're going to see over the next couple of years, but it's been a crazy start to this, the first, his, his career. And I just wish I would have bought in more for how freaking cheap he was in rookie drafts a few years ago. So, <laughs> yeah. so, um, all right. Uh, mock, mock time. You guys good with that? Let's get it. All Absolutely. right. Cool. So we're going to do fancy football pet peeves. So this should be interesting. Um, this happened, th this topic came to mind because of one or two recent things I've been dealing with. Uh, so I was like, what's, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to do this. So some of these things for me, I know on my list, some of them really grind my gears and some of them are just things that like, when I see them, they just, you know, it's like kind of tick me off. So I'm sure we'll get to all these, but uh, we're going to do four rounds. Um, again, if you didn't listen to the show last week and you haven't listened to the fellas before a mock mock draft is just a mock draft of random things that aren't necessarily football related. This is about as close as we're going to get to football related on a mock mock, but I just thought this was, would be fun. Uh, especially this time of year as uh, we start playing with people that aren't necessarily seasoned veterans of fantasy football. Um, it, it always makes you remember that not everyone's a freak about this stuff when you're playing with your work buddies. Right. So um, uh, we'll, we'll let the guests do the honors. Jernigan kick us off, man. Four rounds, fantasy football, pet peeves, and you got the one oh one. All right. One one I'm going to go with this thing annoys the crap out of me. I know it annoys the crap out of you guys too. When you have a great week, your team goes off, you score the second most points in the entire mm. league behind the guy you just played and you take the loss despite having a great week. That is maddening. Absolutely maddening. I, uh, well, for, for, for sure. And the thing that's also like interesting is like over the years, as we've gotten more and more creative, because we have more and more time, we always figure out these ways to like still reward that. I like just letting it like suck, you know, because it just, yeah. you know, it's, you know, nothing's also feels as good as winning when you're the best, uh, 
uh, when you had the best score and you, you know, you took a win away from somebody that probably deserved one. So, well, it sucks in the NFL when it happens, right? We all remember that Kansas city Buffalo game from last year. Like that was not fun to be a Buffalo fan that day. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to take the one on two set. That way you can have the turn. Cause I think last week I had the turn. So I'll play the sandwich. Uh, so I'm going to go with this and this is my number one, like by far. And it's cause I commissioned too many damn leagues. Um, but my number one fantasy football pet peeve is people that complain about slow drafts because you <laughs> knew it was a slow draft when you signed up. The other thing is usually these slow drafts occur during the summer. What the hell else are we going to do? We buzz through this thing. People are just, you know, fighting because they, this isn't moving fast enough. And then we finish and no one says a word in the chat for three months. Right. So complaining <laughs> about slow drafts, um, is, is my, is the one Oh two for me and is just the most annoying thing, especially as a commission. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Um, man, I gotta, those are both very good, I, but I have a couple here that I was torn between what would be my first one. Uh, in terms of just pure rage that I have uh, in internally around this topic, I have to go with this one um, over the more logical one. But uh, I get to do both because this is the turn. Hooray! Uh, the first one is going to be the tight end position is a complete and utter joke. There is no reason for there to be a dedicated tight end position in today's NFL. And there hasn't been for like six years. <laughs> the We finally got to the point where people are embracing half PPR. Let's, let's pick up the pace a little bit on adapting to the fact that there are like six tight ends that are worth having at all that can compare to what a wide receiver three can give you on a week-to-week basis. It's not an important position in terms of the NFL uh, NFL schemes anymore. And it's not going to be. Uh, if you have a very talented player that plays the tight end position, Kelsey and Goddard and all those guys, great. You work them in, but you don't build a team around that concept anymore. So uh, we shouldn't do that with fantasy. Uh, and just a quick detour there. Jernigan, uh, you just started this league that we haven't filled all the way up yet. So if you're looking for a, if you're looking for a league, hit Jernigan up on Twitter at something i can't remember your twitter handle anymore you changed it say is it mike jernigan 78 or 79 still probably all right i'm almost there yes at mike jernigan 79 so uh you started him an x they send him an x yes x you can you can x at mike jernigan (laughs) um uh but we started this league where you set up the scoring uh that tried to emulate like the nfl a little bit more and we set up a starting roster and we talked, you and I were chatting back and forth. We actually did not include a tight end position. Um, we included it as an extra flex like spot where you could yeah, play the flex tight end where there. you can add a tight end. Yeah. Yeah, that I'm totally fine with because there are players that are worth playing there. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you being forced to play a tight end that you're just picking up off a wire that's going to get you three points, like they're just rah. No. I love it. No mas. <laughs> I know. All right, two hundred one. 201. Um, so this one is more of a, uh, it, uh, there's not as much rage, like I said, uh, but yards per carry as a stat to determine, to talk about how good a player is, is uh, just, it's, it's shoddy analysis because yards per carry is an average and 
the there's no weight behind it. What I mean by that is you can have a player that gets you one yard per carry for the entire game, and then one defender falls down and he houses it, and he looks like he had a great yards per carry for that game. It is not indicative of how – sorry, did it again. It is not telling how good a player is uh, – when you look at yards per carry, not necessarily, it can be, uh, but the like Derrick Henry has a you know, good yards per carry, but we've seen him to, you know, deliver on that. It's when people start hyping up these, uh, you know, uh, waiver wire guys that are like, Oh, look at his yards per carry or in the off season, look at his yards per carry over the course of the season. It's not telling you anything useful about that player. So it's something that I have ignored for many years now. And uh, I think other people need to do that as well. Yeah. I wish that there was, you start to see more and more like these advanced stats, like be readily available. And like the one thing I've always been interested to see was like something that accounts for one, like if you need two yards and he got you two yards for a first down, that's valuable, right? He wasn't trying to hit it big on that one, but the other, I would love to see like, it's like a, like a like a hit percentage or something like that. It's like how many of his carries were more than five yards, you know, and, and judge it back that way, you know, because that would probably like, you know, if you have a running back that goes one yard, one yard, one yard, one yard, and 30, you know, is it's going to look fine. Okay. It's like five, 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 five at a time, you know, um, you know, just another way to look at it. But I think yeah. I like that. Um, mine is so the 202 here, my fancy bubble pet peeve is not necessarily uh, other people in my league. But this is actually NFL. Every Sunday, like all you people, I'm sitting there what, looking at my lineups, trying to get everything set. You know, okay, 90 minutes for kickoff, check those inactives, make sure I'm good to go. And then, but the freaking most frustrating thing for me is the for the for the East Coast time, the four o'clock, four fifteen, those games. When there's a late inactive in one of those games, that the coaches just lied all week that the player was totally fine. I'm looking at you, Pete Carroll. I, as a Marshawn Lynch supporter all those years, how many freaking times did all of a sudden he just had a back injury because he slept on a bag of Skittles wrong or whatever the hell between, you know, <laughs> freaking one o'clock in the afternoon until four. Damn it. I always the worst because by then half your team's already gone. You don't have those options. You can't make actual educated decisions. You're just starting whoever the hell is available and is eligible to be played there. So late game, unexpected inactives is a, is a pet peeve of mine. Just tell us, just tell us, is it going to be hurt? Let's go. All right, Jernigan. All right, my second round pick is going to be when players don't set lineups mm. in your fantasy league. That drives me crazy from both a player perspective and also from a, a commissioner's perspective because you get everyone in the league complains about that, right? Like, except for maybe the guy getting the win, the easy win that week. But everybody else is like, this is a free win for somebody. And uh, how do we enforce how to make people set lineups? And there are different ways to go about that, but it's just a headache for everybody. Like if you're not going to participate in a league, you know, what are you even doing? Why'd you pay for it? You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, yeah. that gets really frustrating. As a commissioner, that is the, one of the most frustrating things because yes. my God, you hear from everybody. It's like, all right, guys, what do you want me to do here? You know, and then you got to bug them. And if they haven't set their lineup, guess what? They're probably not responding to your damn DM either. You know, so yeah, good times. <laughs> Third round, baby, kick us off. We got two rounds left. 
All right. So with this one, <laughs> I'm going to call this the Bill Belichick effect. It is when you have a solid player who's performed well all year, and then for whatever reason, they just disappear. And I, I'm relating that to Bill Belichick because, you know, that's what he does, right? He schemes against every team that he plays their, their best player, he tries to take them out of the game. That drives you nuts when you, you have guys you've depended on and who've been consistent all year, and then you need them to win a week, and they're just a, a complete no-show. Mm-hmm. That, that'll make you nuts. For for sure. And we've all been there. And it's also the most frustrating that happens like in a primetime game where you're just sitting there watching it every play and it just keeps happening to you. <laughs> right. Uh, that's right. Never, never fun. <laughs> um, my 302 here is going to be a little bit similar to what Jerry said about not setting lineup. But like one of my biggest pet peeves, especially for Dynasty, is when inactive owners make bad trades. I don't care if people make bad trades. That's fine. And a bad trade is also relative and all that. But when you see a player that that hasn't done anything all year, doesn't communicate with other people, doesn't respond to your offers, but then all of a sudden they've somehow accepted a trade that is just putrid. Um, and oftentimes what those trades are doing is not only are they losing that trade this year, is that it doesn't fit what their team is ultimately should be doing, which more than likely is to look to get younger or prepare for the future because their team probably sucks already. They just, it just keeps happening to them because they keep doing this. I'm in a few of these leagues. This keeps happening. Um, so again, inactive owners making poor trades. That is just extremely, extremely frustrating to me. So uh, that's the three Oh two Seth. Did I snipe you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have a backup, but it, that was, yeah, that was, that was up there. All right. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, league vetoes. Um mm. Now, I, I have not seen this as much over the past couple of years, so maybe this is no longer uh, applies as a pet peeve. But if your league uh, cho- uh, chooses to allow the rest of the league to decide if a trade is good or bad on a regular basis, that's trash. <laughs> that Damn. is trash because nobody is unbiased in this. There is direct, there, there's direct bias, actually. There's an incentive to vote on a veto the way that you want it to be, whether it's keeping the uh, team that seems to be dominant from getting what is appears to be a dominant player. Um, so, and, and uh, Kyle, like, I'm, it feels like I'm being contradictory because of what I, I was, Kyle just sniped me on bad trades happening, but there's a difference between a bad trade happening and there's like a legitimate strategy behind what somebody's doing, even if it looks bad at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's, I feel it's, it's easier to know what that, what those are, but when you allow the rest of the league to uh, put their two cents in on something that shouldn't, shouldn't uh, involve them. And when they can get a, uh, a, a benefit from it, that's just, it's, it breaks the league. So um, yeah, league vetoes, trash, get rid of them. Um, no reason for it. Uh, and yeah. Okay. So the uh, last one going into this, I honestly did think about doing kickers, but I've already <laughs> done a position and at least there, at least it's not something that could be, you're not going to put another flex position in with a kicker. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, 
I have seen a league. Scott like Fish that. did. Yeah, and that, that's that was weird. That was weird, but that's not something that normally happens. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. I'm gonna go with uh, people that don't pay their league fees. Uh, even after the season has started, preventing people from either doing stuff. If you're a commissioner, and I know both of you have had this this problem where you are, you're trying to be a good commissioner and you're not going to start a draft or do something before everybody's paid up because then if you start then and they never pay, then you're out and the rest of the league is out of that money, right? Uh, but then they're holding everybody up um, and it's... If you are in for the league, then make sure that you've at least anteed up. Um, and if you're not, then just leave. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I've eaten plenty of league dues in the past. And I I mean, I guess as a commission, you have no one to blame but yourself. But you try to be nice and people don't care. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> they Then they just don't pay because there's nothing stopping them anymore. I'm currently in a startup draft right now that I'm commissioning. And when we voted on a start date and everybody wanted to turn it around quick, every single person in that league got paid in less than two days. It was amazing. That's awesome. That's how it yeah. should wow. go, guys. That's yeah, how it, it is. That, that's, that's good stuff. And now, honestly, when you do, when it's like, works out like that, it definitely, it shows you appreciate the commission for one, because their job isn't to go around and bugging you collect league fees they're just there right. to just we make don't sure want to chase smooth. you down right right, right. <laughs> just just keeping it on the rails right you're everybody has the uh, ability to just help you know help the whole league out so that's awesome man i love when that works out um and for you commissioners out there do not let the league start without getting freaking paid because correct it sucks mm-hmm. anyway um don't get bullied into it because that's happened to me too uh my last one hmm I'm going to go – well, this is kind of – I don't know. The, I'm going to go with teams that don't uh, set a name for themselves. Like, don't create a team name when it's just like – especially like on Yahoo. It's like <laughs> these are like ridiculous. Like, Joe's awesome team, you know? Like, yeah, damn it. You know, like I have 23 leagues, and every single one of them, I come up with some goofy-ass, you know, thing that maybe is only funny to me, but I don't care. Like, I, I did it, right? Take the time. It's fun. It's something to do. Um, even if it's the same team name that you use in all your leagues, that's fine too. Uh, but I always hate when it's just like Joe's team, like, come on. Uh, and as a commissioner likes to like, you know, try to, you know, do little fun videos or like talk, you know, this week's matchup is so-and-so versus so-and-so. Like it's a lot more fun when there's team names tied to these. So, um, uh, helpful hint that I've found in other leagues. If you're everyone's not familiar with each other, you still have a fun team name. Just parentheses, just put your real name in there. And that way it's easier to find people. Like if you want to talk trade or whatever, but come up with some damn fun team names, man. This is a good times. It's a lot more fun that way. So I'm going to go with uh, my, the 402 is uh, teams that don't actually set their own team names. So there you go. Jernigan, bring us home, baby with the 403. All right. My very last fantasy football pet peeve is, of course, the alienation of my family for the entire fantasy football season. It's tough, man. My kids grow up. They get taller, smarter. You know, they do a lot of things in school and and with family. And I can't track all that when I'm plugged into Sleeper. You know what I mean? Like, home projects don't get done. I barely recognize my wife. Um, It's really, it's not ideal. How how addicted I am to this hobby. Um, I would like to petition 
the um, um, engineers at Sleeper, if I could somehow track my wife and kids through the app, that would be awesome <laughs> if we could figure out how to do that. You just got to get them into a league first. I, I love it. I love it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that is. Uh, and then oh, they, can just, they can just change their team name to like soccer practice on Thursday. And then you're like, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah, there okay, you cool. go. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, good <laughs> stuff. Oh, man. Yeah. Tell, the one thing the league needs to do, I don't, this happens every freaking year. And the bad part is, I think it still falls this way. Like, fantasy championship week is like falling on, or at least a playoff week is falling on like Christmas. And like mm-hmm. there'll be freaking games on Christmas, and I'm just sitting there like, mm-hmm. damn, blame Roger. Like I got, I got shit yeah. to do. I got to make sure my team's all, you know, they got. I'm all set to go. I can't lose a championship because I'm too busy eating the Christmas ham. You know. I know. So. I'm with you. I'm absolutely <laughs> with you on that. Like it, Thanksgiving, we did it to ourselves because Thanksgiving is so awesome. Getting to mm-hmm. watch football. He's like, well, let's just put it on all holidays now. And yeah, yeah, it's 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 madness. So. Um, yeah, the the NFL definitely doesn't care about us uh, keeping everybody happy at home because no. I I mean every every night of the week um, they're they're gonna be doing I think I saw there's gonna be three or four Mondays where there'll be two games. Um, mm-hmm. It's Ugh, it's gross. yeah it's just yeah it's crazy they're just more and more and more but at, people are still watching so until we watching. stop watching it's just gonna yep. keep happening yep. you know but uh, anyway good stuff man great work from you gentlemen those are all <laughs> I. Some of those things got my blood boiling. So, uh, but uh, I love the last one there, Jernigan. That was a great way to, to end the show. So, um, any any parting wisdom there, Jernigan? In case we don't hear from you again uh, for the listeners as they're heading into the uh, their drafts this this month of August. To quote G, be kind. There you go. Just be kind. I love it, and that proves Jernigan's a listener of this show. So, um, for for Mike Jernigan, appreciate you coming on here again, man. This is super. Thanks fun. for having me, guys. Um, we, uh, we definitely, like I said, at the top of the show, when we, we put together this reunion show, we had a list of people that we wanted on and you were definitely at the top of the list. We wanted to, to, uh, to get you on here, talk some football and the friendship that we've had, uh, over the last, I mean, man, it's probably been six, seven years now, you know, yeah, since, since we been, started this thing. It's been a minute. <laughs> yeah. It's all the way back to the DFF days, boys. Um, and if anyone knows what that is. You're blessed because yeah. what a ride that was. So, um, all right, we'll wrap this bad boy up an hour and a half. So we did it. We did it. The goal was 45 minutes times two. You guys just did doubled it. Yeah. There we go. Perfect. Yeah. So, perfect. All right, all Appreciate right, for, you guys. For, for MJ, Seth, and myself, uh, we'll be back next week. But uh, enjoy the weekend. Good luck for those drafts. Good luck for the expo if you're heading that way. And uh, we'll catch you next week. We'll see you. Right here. Yeah, I like the ball, like the ball season and all the things that go with it. They good, but too great. Exactly how we wanted to come in here and get it done. I love it, baby. One more what you want to do. One more what you want to do. This is the best job in the world. This is the best job in the world.